Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I am Carlos. It is basketball season. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Joining me is fellow basketball boy Greg at Bananamorphs. I'm, I'm so excited. I've waited so long for this. And for the last time for basketball season, probably, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. I'm not a fellow basketball boy. What the hell? <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be here longer than one episode to be a basketball boy. Um, Avery's gonna join basketball season a little bit closer to December as she deals with some scheduling issues. Uh, Reed is here. He was here for one episode last time last year and then bailed. Reed, are you actually uh, sticking around this time? For as long as Caleb loves here, I will be here. That's all I can commit to. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. It's going to be very funny if he leaves the, leaves the team midseason. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, all one of you. If you're, if you're the one out there, basketball single <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> uh, many, many more, I'm sure, will tune in uh, to our podcast. But basketball is like a new thing. Wednesday's a new thing. So that's fine. It'll be all right. People are, gonna, people are in football season. They're taking some time. It's okay. We're fine. Uh, but thank you for the one person listening uh, on YouTube. Join us in the chat, comment away, like the video. We should see one like on this video for every one person, so we should see one like. <laughs> Follow us and tweet us at No Truck Stops Pod on Twitter. Send in your questions and rants. And of course, podcast listeners, many of you, many more of you will be joining there. Follow the show on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And of course, we have content on Patreon as we normally do at NoTruckStops.com. This week, we're going to be previewing the Week 9 slate of football games, including Oregon at Utah, a huge game uh, between Oregon State and Arizona in Tucson, and more. Greg and company are recording that right after we're done here. So go subscribe to that at NoTruckStops.com. It's just $5. And if you love all of our stuff, consider supporting us with the $3 subscription. We'd, we'd really appreciate it. Um, all right. It's time to get to hoops. It's basketball season for the last time in the Pac-12. <laughs> Alex Bergman, the only listener. If I'm the only listener, will this be an all UCLA podcast? I will make sure that UCLA gets a lot of attention in this podcast because it is indeed basketball season. Anyway, uh, we've got our basketball episode. Uh, we're going team by team to preview each team for the season. We're not going to go team by team to preview each team of the season. I like when I read when I read a script for myself and then misread it. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. We're not going to do that because I put together a 10,000 word preview for free. Uh, so if you want a team by team preview, uh, that's pinned on my Twitter page. Uh, but instead, we're going to talk about our biggest storylines, our favorites, our sort of favorite storylines, teams we're keeping an eye on, front runners. Uh, we'll do a Pac-12 player draft, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so let's first start by getting a lay of the land here for the Pac-12. Uh, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at the Pac-12 odds for each team to win the Pac-12 title. I've got them pulled up here. Let's see if we can get them up here cleanly without making a disaster. We've done it again. Here it is. So here are the odds for the Pac-12 championship. I think, Greg, I don't know if this is for the regular season or the conference tournaments. For what, Do you know? I'm almost certain it's for a regular season because okay. when it's for the conference tournament later in the season, it's incredibly obvious that it's the conference tournament, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the these regular are regular season, season odds. I, I'm pretty sure that they are too. So I'll just read them out loud for our podcast listeners. Arizona, the front runner to win the <laughs> – to win. sorry, I'm reading the YouTube chat – uh, to win the conference at plus 200, it's Arizona. USC second, plus 250. UCLA third, plus 350. Oregon uh, fourth at plus 850. 
to win the Pac-12. Colorado, plus 900. Stanford, down at 6th, at plus 1,800. Arizona State, Utah, and UW, all at plus 4,000. Cal, plus 5,000. They are 10th. 11th is Washington State at plus 8,000. And Oregon State, all the way at the bottom, at plus 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah big range there from 11 to 12 <laughs> uh let's start with greg on this real quick and looking at these uh, the odds to win the pack 12 any any surprises um any I, lines that look juicy to you either i thought the ucla I, I i thought usc would be the favorite in vegas just because of mm. the hype that being said, I kind of like the idea of betting Arizona and USC because, in my mind, the only way Arizona doesn't win it is if everything USC has clicks together and, you know, they are insane and they win it. And even if you do that, you're not losing money. So I think I think, <laughs> I think there's a chance that that could be fun. But I think Arizona's going to win. And so I still like them at plus 200. Okay. Okay, that's so you. Okay, so you're just gonna straight up pick the favorite. You've got no juicy betting line. You're, there's no odds oh, here. Oh, I mean, like, Cal plus five thousand, just relative to where like they are, and the rest of the league. Like, I think they'll finish higher than where they're listed here, and so okay. maybe that works. And they've got a couple, a couple really good players and a really good coach, so maybe they shock the world. But outside of that, I just it's hard to see a team other than Arizona and USC winning, and that UCLA line is is just not nearly as good as i think it should be okay reed what about you anything in your uh, in your limited in your growing knowledge of of pac-12 basketball any lines here look juicy let's see let's test to see how far you've come thank you i appreciate your reframing of that um (laughs) i i it feels about right to me i think that uh, those three were like in the research I did definitely seemed like the three. Uh, I thought Arizona should be favored. The way I looked at it kind of was like Arizona feels a little more proven. UC- USC has the proven roster, but not necessarily the like success under their coach. UCLA kind of has the success, but doesn't have a proven roster right now. So I thought Arizona should be one, but those should be the three. Uh, down the board more Utah honestly was the team at plus 4,000 that I was like I I thought that they'd be more up in that middle group I have a soft interest I like Brandon Carlson a lot as a fellow lanky white guy I kind of (laughs) was admiring his game Uh, I'm excited to get into him more so I thought Utah maybe might get more respect I was surprised that they were down there and then had to say that beaver bias all the way, I you know I don't have yeah, plus twenty five thousand. That's mean, crazy. They are begging you to take that bet. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know if our friend Sam over at the Payneers would would take that one. Oh, he'd absolutely would. He, that <laughs> man would put a hundred. Is too damn low. Okay, like <laughs> this is not going to be the airs the Oregon State team of two years ago. This is going to be a team that gets a few wins. It is disrespectful for them to be that much lower than Washington. I, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's right. I think Oregon State. We'll get into our overperforming and underperforming teams, but just from a betting perspective, uh, UCLA is UCLA is volatile. I think we, I think if I were advising anyone on betting some stuff, I would say stay far away from UCLA because here's the thing, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I think UCLA is going to be 
like super volatile for the first two or three months. This is an entirely new roster. By far, if you if you read my Pac-12 preview, they have the least amount of returning production in the Pac-12 by a huge margin. They have the least number. They are 12th in the Pac-12 in returning minutes. They are 12th in the Pac-12 in returning points produced. It, they are... They are sixth in the Pac-12 in returning win shares, but that's just because they won so many goddamn games that a couple of players coming back from that who didn't even who didn't even play that much um, are booing that. But it's an entirely new roster. I think people are going to be. I'm really curious to see what looks like UCLA looks like come February. Um, but I sort of think after that, I'm I, I'm you know I'm sort of feeling weird about it. So yeah, I think if I had to pick one team here where i'm like the line looks pretty juicy it's colorado at plus 900 i think colorado is going to be a sneaky problem this season i think colorado might be like a legitimate dark horse i don't know that people are paying attention enough to like colorado their roster and all this other stuff they i think let me look uh look this up here to confirm they're top they're number one in returning win shares in the pack 12 they are number two in returning minutes in the Pac-12. They are number one in returning percent of points produced in the Pac-12. They are number two in returning field goal attempts in the Pac-12. They are bringing back so much production. Uh, Tristan DeSilva is going to be like a legit front runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year. KJ Simpson will be in that discussion, maybe in the top five, top ten. Um, I think. I, I, I'm pretty sure Eddie Lampkin, the transfer from TCU, not a Pac-12 player of the year type of player, but a really, really good one, maybe top five big in the Pac-12. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they are going to be um, a, a real, real problem. Uh, so that's that's where I have them right now. I think Colorado is plus, you know, that plus 900, I I'd might want to... <laughs> Alex Bergman in the chat says, "Is Evan Batty returning for a fifteenth year? Unfortunately, he's not. Uh, I don't even think he was, was there Evan last Batty year. there last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was. Don't think he was. So yeah, weird stuff there. But um, but kind of, I think plus nine hundred is is fascinating. So any other thoughts about these odds? I think that the way it implies Vegas thinks the Pac twelve is finishing." I was I'm pretty surprised by a lot of these. Like Stanford being that high. I get why they're higher in terms of odds to win the title just because the roster's so good. But I'll be shocked if they finish 6th with with Jared Haas as the coach and Washington, I think there's no way they're finishing ahead of Callen Wazoo even with that roster. Mike Hopkins is the coach. Yeah, I've I think <laughs> um it's Stanford's roster I think is maybe one like a top four roster in the Pac-12. I think it's it's so good. <laughs> it's really good. It's <laughs> annoying. It's annoying how good they are. They bring back so much production. They're like top three in almost all production metrics. Um, they they bring back um, Brandon Angel. They bring back Spencer Jones, who's going to be a legit player. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I mean look in a vacuum, a legit player. Maxime Raynaud is going to be awesome. The big for Stanford, he's coming back for his second year. And on top of the, all the guys that they bring back, they also add a, a legit like freshman of the year candidate in Andre Andre Stoyakovich. For those who are like 
is that any relation to Peja Stojakovic? Yes, that's his son. Uh, <laughs> Peja Stojakovic's son is on this team, and he's very, he is very, very good. Uh, so Stanford, again, Jared Haas, again, has put together an elite roster. Again, he's going to fuck it all up. Uh, he is <laughs> Alex Bergman put in the chat. Stanford at sixth. Can't wait for Haas to finish 10th and call us man. He goes to jail for war crimes. Yeah, he's he's he is he's a bad coach. I think we have to talk about it. His turnover rate like over the past like his in his entire tenure, his turnover rates like ridiculous for his teams. Um, and they were ridiculous last year for a team that was bringing it back even more than they're bringing back this year. So I think Stanford's bad. Uh, that's like at plus eighteen hundred. I wouldn't even touch it. Like I'm not I'm not betting on Stanford to do anything. I will say, that. in regards to the turnover issues. I think they have a point guard this year in a way they didn't last year with uh, okay. Jared Bynum, but mm. but still, yeah, I, I I won't be fooled by Stanford like I was last year. Yeah, even uh, if this I is don't... a better roster. Yeah, no, no, and and I I'm really glad to see the media. I think the media had them about seventh or eighth or something. I think they were fooled last year. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people were fooled last year into thinking they were going to top four, um, that they were going to be a dark horse Pac-12 title contender. They finished in the bottom four, so. I've got no, I've got no respect for for Stanford. But anything else about these odds before we uh, before we move on to some storylines? The top of it just seems like really thin value to me. Like even mm-hmm. Greg's thing about like in theory, yeah, bet Arizona and USC, but it doesn't work in practice. Like if you if you make those two bets, you get no benefit of Arizona winning at plus two hundred. You get uh-huh. you play, it's a thin play for USC to win and get plus 50, you know, and I guess you're protected if you think UCLA is going to fall off, but they're not really giving you much with those top contenders. For sure. I honestly, the best value might just straight up be Arizona plus 200. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how much, how much value you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Call. I will say Oregon at plus 850. I don't know. I wouldn't touch Oregon this year either. I think Oregon and UCLA are the stay aways for me where I'm like, I think there's some vol- some real volatility for, for both of those teams. I'm really said, curious to see what the other teams do. Though. I've said it a few times, but at Media Day, the coach who seemed like the most tempering expectations of any coach <laughs> there was Dana Altman. Now, I'm not <sighs> saying that means anything. Like, mm-hmm. maybe it's just him, after the last two years, not taking anything for granted, you know? But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried about Oregon. Like, they've had injuries so much these last two years you feel like it can't happen again but then again if it does happen they're probably screwed again even if (laughs) this team's deeper and even when they were healthy they just weren't gelling i don't know i think there's a lot to worry about with oregon yeah um we had a comment here from alex bergman one of the few joining us we got a few more people joining in feel free to like the video subscribe please 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 um got a got a comment here from alex bergman he says can't wait to hear reed pronounce all the foreign ucla names reed i don't know if you know this but and maybe this is a storyline to watch out for in our next segment but ucla went overseas to recruit and recruited several high level european players after they struck out i've got a game for you here let's let's play this game i want to follow alex's uh thinking here (laughs) and i'm gonna put up Four big uh, freshmen coming in from overseas. And I want you to try. I've, I've got the pronunciations here. I want you to see if you can pronounce these players' names. Okay? Okay. So let's start with the first one. This is a, a wing from Turkey. 
Burke Bjunktensel. <laughs> Pretty smooth. It is actually Berke <laughs> Bjunktenchel. Okay. Bjunktenchel. Okay. Yes. Next one. Center. This is a center from Spain. Adai Mara. It's not bad. Adai Mara. Mara. You could say Mara. It's fine. It's not bad. It's pretty easy. Third one here. This is a, a wing from Slovenia. He actually had a really, really good under-19 uh, FIBA tournament. Jan Vide. Yeah. Oh, you knew that one, Reed. Yeah. What made you... What? 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 How did you know to, that it was Jan Vide? I just had a hunch. uh and then this last one uh this last one's tough in fact i this is one uh that i that was hard for me but let's let's hear you give it a shot can i get origin (laughs) oh he's from i think he's from france i don't know why i suddenly am blanking on where he's from let me let me let me make sure yes he's from massey france I don't even know where to where to approach this one. Let, give me give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, I'm I don't know what to do with that e at the end either. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go sneaky, same as the last one on the first name, Jan. Okay. Fibule. Um, it is Elon Fible. Oh, that's a tough brutal. one. That's, that's tough. tough. That's a tough one. <laughs> that is tough. That's honestly Berke Bjunktenchel. I thought was a little bit tougher, but I think uh, I think Elon uh, Fibla is is pretty. That's hard. <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> Shout out to Grapes tuning in from uh, Lady Smith, uh, uh, British Columbia. I almost said Baja California. <laughs> uh, um, Lady Smith, Baja California. Uh, Shout out to Grapes joining in. She says this is evil. <laughs> thank you reed for being a good sport about this all right so that is the pac-12 title odds that is our fun uh attempt at embarrassing reed those are tough i actually had to go and look on youtube to see how people were pronouncing it because ucla's got some we got some dudes there um okay let's move on to the next part uh, let's talk about some of the big storylines we're watching out for in the pac-12 basketball this year look there's a ton of stuff to watch out for for pac-12 hoops this season plenty of storylines to track so I want to hear from each of you, what is a storyline that you're paying closest attention to this season? It could be about a coach, it could be about a player, it could be about a team, it could be about anything. So Reed, I'm going to start with you. What's the biggest storyline as a Pac-12 basketball novice that you're paying attention to this season? I'm a Caleb Love guy. That's, that's <laughs> like my doing biggest this just thing <laughs> this year. I have few college basketball memories, but I did attend the... Uh, tournament in person for the final four when UNC made it there in New Orleans two years ago. No, you did not. Really? Yes. I was there. I was there for Caleb Love's shot to beat Duke and he had me sold. I'm a Duke (laughs) hater. Caleb Love is my guy this year. I'm aware tangentially of some of the things that went on at UNC last season. It seemed like that whole preseason number one thing didn't go too well for them. Um, But more generally, I think I like this Arizona team because I feel like the pieces that they lost, especially like Azulis Tubelis, he's a guy with some sneaky Ewing theory potential here. I think Mm. that Arizona (laughs) could benefit from losing him. 
Kirk reset for obvious reasons. Uh, falls <laughs> yeah, in the same yeah. that's boat. The one, I think. That's the one where I, I would already, say it's maybe a dick. I already purged Kirk Kreese from my brain. <laughs> I totally forgot about no it. Kirk Kreese this time. <laughs> but I think I think if Amar Bolo takes a step, and then I like this guy, Kishad Johnson from San Diego State, seems like a more athletic front court pairing to have beside him. And it, and in the tournament, if I remember correctly, it was kind of Tubelis's defense that got exposed big time against Princeton, right? For sure. So someone who's a little less flat-footed and a little more athletic next to him could unlock this. And then I feel like with Caleb Love, I I'm in on his potential, in on him as a player, but I like that he's surrounded with some pieces like pieces like Kylan Boswell and Pell Larson, where like. If he's not, he can win them some games, but if he's playing them out of games, hopefully they have other options that they can go to on his off off nights. Yeah, Arizona's a great one. I mean, Arizona, I think Arizona fans are really excited about this team. And I think the odds makers obviously love Arizona. They have some talent. Kylan Boswell, you're right, I think is a, is a good play. Caleb Love is... can. Greg, you're a, I don't know, I feel like you watch truck stop stuff. <laughs> what went on with Caleb Love? Like, what was the deal with him in North Carolina? I think a lot of people blame it on him getting entitled due to okay. all the money that came in after what oh. he did from that Final Four run, right? Now, I think a lot of that is just fans being bitter. I think there's a mm. lot more context. I think the coaching at UNC was not good last year. What I'm hoping could happen this year is a similar thing that happened with with Remy Martin when he went to to Kansas, like oh when Remy, he went to Kansas, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, okay, I'm not right, hoping that, that he is ASU Remy Martin, but like ASU Remy Martin was like a good player who had moments of brilliance. Yeah. He goes yeah. to Kansas to be like restricted in Bill Self's system, and he wins like most outstanding player of the tournament. And mm-hmm. I think Caleb Love has that same potential in. Tommy Lloyd's offense, which hopefully will have more restrictions on him. He's definitely not expected to do everything because I think Arizona has some solid guard depth. Um, and and with the way, like, Umar Balo is probably going to be the center of the offense just because Tommy Lloyd seems to really like moving it through the bigs. Uh, so I think this could be a really great Caleb Love season. I like I like this storyline from, from Reed. Yeah. I think Caleb Love is a big question mark. He's going to be one of the bigger, biggest. He's easily, I think, the biggest like name uh, mm-hmm. among the newcomers in the Pac-12 this season. Maybe even I don't know. USC's got two that might be bigger. Oh, God, <laughs> point. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming Bronny James does not play this. The season. The James like, family. Their statements have made me think he will play this season. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit of a Vinci Wachuku situation where he kind of comes in midway through. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's one storyline. Greg, what's what's a big storyline that you're paying attention to this season? Well, part of me wants to go with, like, Stanford and Washington both have just such great rosters this season. Really good rosters, unquestionably top half of the Pac-12. Washington is a really old roster, which is always a good thing in college basketball. And and Stanford, like, they have a point guard this year. There's no excuses for either of those two coaches, I think, to not make the tournament this year. I think, for me, those it's, it's tournament or bust, and I don't think they're going to do it, and I'm interested to see if those schools finally pull the trigger. 
Uh, another one that I'll mention because I thought Reed was going to, uh, but he didn't, is obviously how does the USC thing fit together? They've mm-hmm. got, I think, unquestionably the best roster in the conference. Loaded it big with Josh Morgan and Vince Uachukwo. I think both of those guys are incredible, uh, especially incredibly uh, incredible defensively. Then you've got Kobe Johnson, who's, I think everyone agrees, best defender in the conference. And then you've got Isaiah Collier, the number one overall recruit at point guard, as well as Boogie Ellis. That is like a stacked stacked. roster. And I didn't even mention Bronny James. And if Bronny James plays, I think he's going to make them so much better. Not because he's going to be a star or anything, because I think there are some people who just don't know his game who think, oh yeah, Bronny's, he's going to be a star just because he's going to play like his dad. But... I think what he'll do is provide just great defense and great connectivity between the other members of the USC offense because I think any offense that has Boogie Ellis running the show can get a little stagnant. And that's not meant to be too much of shade towards Boogie Ellis because he was great last year, but he is a score-first guy. And so having more passers who can get the ball to the bigs and to Kobe Johnson, uh, one more of those guys in the starting five, I think could go so far, especially with his defense. It's going to be a nightmare to score on USC. Yeah, uh, our homie Lil Sebastian in the chat says, I'm happy for Rodman on a hype team with Bronny. Sad oh, to see him leave us, Didn't though. even mention him. Didn't even talk about DJ Rodman, uh, another basketball player son, Dennis Rodman's son, actually. Uh, DJ Rodman I was like such a sneaky, huge steal in the offseason. He was such a, a, a huge part of what Washington State was doing last season. A really, really good player, and then he goes to USC. Frankly, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see I mean, he is going to be a bench guy for USC. Like, it's going to be, he's going to get, I mean. He'll probably start at the beginning of the year, right? You think so? With Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, that's your backcourt. Maybe Kajani Wright? uh, Or Kobe Johnson will absolutely start. Kobe Johnson will start, yeah. Yeah, and then at that point. I think DJ Rodman at the four, right? You think DJ Rodman at the four? I mean, over a Kajani Wright over. Oh, I don't know about that, actually. And Andy Enfield at. Joshua Morgan's going to get minutes. Yeah, Josh Morgan, I think, will start at the five for sure. Right, right. So I, and, I, yeah. DJ Rodman, so DJ, I ha, it's going to be hard to see DJ Rodman start. Yeah. I, he might. But either way, if he's your starting player and then you've got like three other dudes behind him who like will, are right at that level, it's a, it's a terrifying roster. I will say though, it's not a, a guarantee. I think they're well constructed. But I also think Andy Enfield, is a generational underperformer. Um, <laughs> I, I think he is a generational underperformer. And I know USC fans, all three USC basketball fans are going to be super mad at me and flood my mentions. But I also am just really concerned about, I mean, look what, I mean, he did, Andy Enfield did a good job in 2021 when he had um, Evan Mobley uh, and his brother Isaiah Mobley and a couple other guys there in, on that team, that Elite Eight team. But since then, he's had a really good roster since. Those are those were rosters that should have solidly been in the NCAA tournament. Barely gets them in. Uh, needs every single possible win he can to get them there. So I, uh, USC is going to be so interesting to watch. Um, he's going to be he's going to be a lot of a lot. USC is going to be fun. I don't know if they're going to be great, but I think they will be fun. So let's see let's see what that uh, translates to. 
Uh, for me, I'm going to be uh, a little bit of a honk and say UCLA is one that I'm watching out for, both because I have to uh, and I should and I want to. But I do think uh, all takes about UCLA basketball should be held until about January, February. Like, I don't know that we can properly evaluate what this team is going to be until late January, February, because it is a new roster. So that's one. How do all the European uh, freshmen, that will be all those names that I had read this uh, uh, rattle off, Berke, Bjuknachel, uh, Jan Vide, um, Ilan Fuble. I forgot. I've like forgot how to say his name for a second. Um Ade Marash, like all those four dudes will be either starters or have heavy, heavy minutes. Those are not guys who are coming off the bench or trying to spell some dudes. They will be the core of this team. How do they do, right? How are they going to be able to develop together? It's a big gamble when you go after a bunch of highly touted freshmen like this. I assume one or two of these guys will be one and done. Certainly Ade, Ade Mara will probably be a one and done, assuming he has a pretty good year in Westwood. Um, so that is one that I'm watching out for. I'm also have an eye on Utah. I think I always do this with Utah. I've got an eye towards Utah. I don't know that I'm convinced that they are going to be a very, very good team, but they are bringing back a lot of production. Uh, they are fourth in returning minutes in the pack 12. They are third in returning points produced, um, they are fourth in returning field goal attempts. So they are bringing back a bunch of players. Brandon Carlson, their best player, is coming back this season. Uh, ben Carlson's coming back. Kabakata, another year to develop. Could be interesting to see what he turns into this year. They're bringing in Lawson Lovering, which, for those who don't know, he was at Colorado. He's like, I, I think he was a decent defender, kind of lost in Tad Boyle's offense, ends up leaving, not really contributing a whole lot. What does he do? <laughs> uh, Cole Bajima from Washington, uh, an underperforming shooter there in Seattle. He will now come over and maybe be, we're, this is a, this, these Lawson Lovering and Cole Bajima, two Pac-12 players that I think will be interesting reclamation projects to see if I don't Car- think- Craig Smith. You don't think they're you don't think, I don't they're, think rec- they're reclamation re- pro. I think they're good role players. Okay. Okay. You think you you think straight up that they'll contribute uh, and they've always contributed. You think they're not I think that Lawson Lovering not after how he finished the year last year is he a reclamation project, you know? Okay. okay. And uh Bajima is a great shooter and that's what he's coming to Utah to be. And also his coach sucked where he was previously. I think both of those are <laughs> solid additions. They're not like game breaking, you know, they're not top tier transfers by any means, but I do think they're going to be big. And also Craig Smith was clearly very excited about the Bajuma transfer. Could not stop talking about how good he is a shooter at media day. Each of the players also talked about how much he loves shooting in the Huntsman Center <laughs> based on how he's played there in the past. Uh, I think he's a good add, too. And then there's another transfer from Salt Lake Community College, Hunter Erickson, who is mm. another shooter. So these are good things to add. Yeah. I'm And, and Utah needs shooters. Now, Cole Bajima, to Grape's point, she's in the chat saying – uh, Cole Bajama is not a good shooter. He's average. He he got worse in his time uh, in Seattle. <laughs> now, I don't know how much of that is Mike Hopkins. <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that's why he's a reclamation project for me, uh, because can he can he get back to the shooting mm-hmm. that he the, the shooting clips that he was getting in 2021? Right, like he was a, a knockdown shooter, has gotten worse ever since then. A couple other storylines here, real quick. Mike Hopkins, does he get fired midseason? Very curious. This he is he is the Mark. Fo- I think he is going to have a Mark Fox level bottoming out at, in Seattle. <laughs> that's, that's not possible with that roster. <laughs> I, you're probably right. His roster, but man, he he needs to go. He should have gone two years ago. Should have gone three years ago. Honestly, if we're being completely honest, um, he definitely should have been fired after last season. I'm really curious to see if Mike Hopkins sticks around. Uh, because I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting too with realignment. Uh, Jared Haas may stay on just because Stanford will not have. <laughs> I don't know that they won't have the money, but I don't know that they they're want the inclination. Be, they yeah right right. I think that's a, a a real question mark. So Jared Haas, Mike Hopkins, coach. They should be coaching for their jobs. Are they? I'm not sure. And I think those two are going to test it. I think they're absolutely going to test whether you know Washington and Stanford actually care enough about basketball to you know get rid of those dudes and say all right let's let's roll with someone else um other storylines here i've got a couple others but i want to see if y'all have any other storylines that you're paying attention to this season uh tad boyle with edge with expectations you know when was the last time colorado was picked this high i guess they're only picked fifth in the conference but like i've seen many people fin- having them finish higher i've seen people even pick them to win the conference yes uh, yes. they've got their best ever freshman coming in and I just, I'm curious how, how that goes for them. Yes. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Colorado's getting so much hype. Even their fans, I think are really, really excited about basketball season. You know, they, you always tell which fans are, are most excited when they're the ones being like, everyone's underestimating us, but this team's going to be incredible. <laughs> I think, I think they have a, they, I think they have a, um, a legitimate shot. Uh, a couple more here. Cal. With their influx of talent and mm-hmm. roster, like I don't think they have a top half roster in the Pac-12, but they certainly have a close to one in the middle. Uh, they brought in some really interesting uh, transfers. Fardaz Imak, uh, I think that's how I, I said that right. I think is that, uh, that is the pronunciation? Yeah, right. Uh, Jalen Tyson, uh, another one. Mark Madsen had himself an off season. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a, a Deion Sanders level off season. But I would say like a 2022 Jed Fish level off season, like you know, if we're talking about this in football terms, like he's had it. He brought yeah. in some players. Um, I'm really curious to see what Cal looks like. I think they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be competitive. Don't know if that translates into anything more than like, God, at most an NIT berth. But you NIT know, an NIT berth good. would be massive. Yeah, that'd I mean, be that's, huge. That'd be an extra 10, 15 wins. Um, so that is what, what I'm paying attention to. And I'm also paying attention to the continued development. This is a shout out to the homie Pasty Zach in the chat. Oregon State. I don't know. I think they've got some. Pl- I don't think that they're going to be 12th in the Pac-12. I I I I have reserved that spot for Washington. Um, can they be? You know, can they get to 500 on the season? I think that's a goal for Oregon State. Can you get to 500? Jordan Pope. I think is uh, he was. I think he was runner up for Pac-12 Freshman of the Year last year. I think he will be a, a contender this season um, for, you know, all conference type of player. They're bringing back Dexter Arcano, who I don't know. I mean, might be pretty good. Um, I think he, I think at last I heard he was balling out for Germany in the like under 20, you know, FIBA tournament. 
that's just in my quick search of that. Um, I don't know. They got some guys there that Losing. I think 500 is totally. And Michael Rattage, I think, will be a, a, another player that's going to be coming back. That'll be pretty good for them. So, I don't know. 500? I think that's reasonable. I think that they'll be a little better this year. But I do think Glenn Taylor's loss will hurt. It's a big one. It's a big uh, one. He was so good in the tournament, especially uh, in that ASU game that they should have won had the refs not screwed them. Uh, he, he he had a great game. <laughs> oh man, there was there was nothing better than going to the Pac-12 basketball tournament and the Oregon State fans losing their minds, <laughs> losing their minds at the refs. Oh, was, what a blast! I can't wait to get back there yeah. in Vegas. It's gonna be so much fun. Uh, it's gonna be a blast. Anyway, I think um, Colorado State's. I mean, not Colorado State. Oregon State's years next year, unfortunately. When yeah. all these guys who were in the same class, they're sophomores now, once they're upperclassmen, I think they could be really fun. And, you know, it'll probably mean more because, I don't mean, not to be glib, but Mountain West might be a better basketball conference than the Pac-12. So, you know, <laughs> if Oregon State's in the Mountain West in basketball, don't know. I don't know. That'd be, they'd get some, they'll get their opportunities next year in, in, uh, in the Mountain West, if that's true. Any other storylines here before we move on? Okay, got most of them out of there. All right, well, that is our storyline. That is our quick preview. We are going to talk about overperformers and underperformers. We'll do a Pac-12 player draft. We'll make our final predictions, all that, after we take a quick break. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Carlos, and it is basketball season once again, which means it's time to throw away those boring-ass football jerseys and time to break in that sweet, sweet basketball apparel. And no one has better basketball shit uh, than Homefield. Homefield's collection of vintage basketball shirts is so good. Uh, My personal favorite, this one right here. Uh, This actually is UCLA Center Court logo for the uninitiated. It's been the logo at Poly Pavilion for forever now, except for a brief period of time during the Steve Alford era when UCLA had that ugly thick script which honestly very fitting for that era of UCLA basketball uh, that logo is iconic and when I saw that Homefield dropped that as a shirt I knew I had to get it uh, Homefield has basketball themed shirts for almost every Pac-12 school and they are super cool super comfy uh, they're so cool that I buy Pac-12 teams basketball shirts outside my own for example this beaver fever oh look at that it's blank this beaver fever oregon state basketball shirt is so fun so unique it's got gill coliseum in that little uh font down there you've got the beaver there bouncing a basketball it is a blast and also do not tell anyone this on twitter but i do have an arizona basketball shirt commemorating their 1997 national championship it's their best basketball shirt i think for arizona primarily because arizona hasn't really done much in basketball since then anyway uh homefield has really dope basketball stuff just peruse your team's shirts at homefieldapparel.com you'll see what i mean first time purchasers get a discount with promo code no truck stops 23 thank you to homefield for sponsoring this podcast All right, let's talk about some overperformers and underperformance performers for this season. Let's start with overperformers. Be positive. Uh, let's talk about teams that you think maybe are slated to sit, you know, maybe at the bottom of the standings, but think might rise up to the middle or even closer to the top half. Uh, or maybe there's a team that's sitting close to the middle that you think will end up at the top of the conference. Greg, let's start with you. However you define overperforming, who do you think is going to be a pleasant surprise this season? I'm just going to go based off of the preseason 
Pac-12 media poll, uh, the number one thing that sticks out to me is Cal. They're picked 11th. I don't think that's the 11th best roster. I think that that's a good roster. They've got one of the best players in the com- in the conference in the conference with uh, Fardaz Imac. Uh, I think that team is not going to finish 11th. I'll be surprised if they are that low. Washington State picked 10th. Also think they're going to finish higher than that. Think both of those teams were pretty disrespected in the poll, and they're going to overperform that by a lot. I think that those are all. I think those are right. Um, the media, I think, doesn't have a good beat on what the bottom half of this conference. I feel like that's that's absolutely true. Reed, what about you? Any overperformers? Any teams that you think are going to be pleasant surprises in your readings and your lookings on? So I'm flirting with two teams right now for similar reasons. Uh, one of them, Colorado. It seems like I, I read that on a nice little niche uh, preview magazine at notruckstops.com, but it seems like Carlos might be stealing that from <laughs> me, uh, my original take. So <laughs> I'm going to go with the other team uh, that I'm flirting with, which is Stanford. Oh, and I like no. both these Reed. teams. I did this no, last Reed. year, Reed. Don't do this, Reed. <laughs> yeah. I did it last year. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it again. So I like these teams because both are near the top of the league in returning production, and they add to that foundation with new faces in terms of freshmen. For Stanford, that's uh, Andres Stojakovic and Kanan Carlisle. I feel like I have a great opportunity here to fade some of the classic no truck stops groupthink that this podcast was <laughs> so famous for prior to my prior uh, joining. To you, yeah. Exactly. So I'm I'm doing my job here. I'm fading the groupthink on Jared Haas. I'll be honest, this is an uninformed fading. Um, <laughs> That's what I did last we year. We tried but to inform you, Reed. <laughs> the Stanford, I, you, you, you guys made my case earlier. The Stanford roster looks very good, does it not? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It looks so uh, good. And part I of me so. still wants to say they'll be good. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and say that maybe the criticism of the coaching is just a bit too far. Okay. And last then I year think was so that bad, this roster, though. it's going to shine through. I don't care about last year. <laughs> last year, we're the roster about, was great, we're too. We're going forward. <laughs> I think Stojakovic is going to make the difference. Um, I like Stanford. I'm, I'm in on this. I don't know. I don't know what else to say, really. I think that Stanford could be good, though. They like. I think that that stuff is going to matter. The fact that they're... Every night, just roll the ball out. How much coaching do you even have to do? Well, here's the problem is Jared Haas does too much coaching. <laughs> <That's the problem>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is there a team? It's if like you if- could just blend Bobby Hurley and Jared Haas. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's like, it's like if, you know, Oregon was coached by fucking, like the current Oregon roster was coached by, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to think of a, a corollary for Jared Haas here. Uh, it's a uh, Jared Haas is unique in that, like, there are people, Bryce Hendricks, chief among them, who will tell you he is a really good basketball coach, and yet he underperforms talent so hard. It's so funny to just yeah. <laughs> that yeah. parallel. Yeah, and I think the media caught on. They had them eighth here, so I think I think. I, it's a gamble, read, but if you do it, you'll look smart because people love Jared Haas for some reason. <laughs> uh, 
Um, people do not. Here's someone who does not love Jared Haas is his own colleague, uh, Tara Vanderveer. I don't know if you all remember, but <laughs> she's a Stanford women's yeah. basketball coach. Uh, after losing in the, NCAA, in the NCAA tournament, she went on. They asked her, you know, what's about, wow, what do you think about the season? Is it a failure? She says, uh, well, you know, I would know. I know our our men's team would love to get to the second weekend of the double NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> big time shot. Even when your colleagues uh, are doing that to you, it's not great. Uh, big overperformer for me. I, I think you're right, Greg. I think I think it's Cal for me. I think Cal has a chance to be like, God. I mean, they could they could get as high as sixth. Like I could absolutely see see them getting as high as sixth in the Pac-12. Get you know, home court in an opening round of the Pac-12 basketball tournament, that would be big for them. So their roster is good enough. Their trans- the, the, all the transfers that they bring in, Mark Matson proven to be a pretty good coach, I think, through his time at um, Utah Valley, right? That's what it was, yeah. Utah Valley. Um, so, you know, I think that's one for me. <sighs> I'm going to do it again. I have not necessarily been wrong about them. But I sometimes I feel like I throw too much love at them, and I think Utah could be. I, uh, a very I'm gonna old go ahead. team, I'm gonna such be an bold. old team, which is huge. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be bold here and say that Utah finishes top four in the Pac-12. Whoa! <laughs> uh, they're picked to finish a seventh right now in the Pac-12 oh. for the preseason media poll. Four. I mean, you're sort of Arizona USC locks at two. Colorado, maybe a lock at three. And at that point, you know, are you hoping UCLA has a brutal start to their season in conference play such that, you know, Utah might uh, be able to jump them? Are you hoping Oregon maybe uh, might have an opportunity to fall apart and and that opens a window for Utah? I, I don't know. I think Utah is a big old wild card for me. You're right. They're an old team. And I think in college basketball, being old is good. You know, it's almost always good. Um, so, so yeah, see, I'm getting a lot of, a lot of eye rolls here. Uh, other, uh, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about underperformance now. Let's move on some teams who think might disappoint their preseason expectations. Same thinking here. Maybe there's a top team you think might disappoint, fall in the middle. Maybe there's a, a team in the middle that you think that the wheels are just going to fall off. Either way, Reed, we'll start with you this time. Who's your biggest underperformer this year? Yeah, I look towards the top of the standings, and I, I'm torn between UCLA and Oregon, honestly. I think they're both boom or bust, right? And I, I actually feel like there's a chance that both of them could surge late maybe because Mick needs to put the roster together. And from what I know of Oregon basketball, that's all that they ever do is surge late uh, and suck when they shouldn't for most of the starting months. Um, so I think that both of those are kind of boomer bust spots amongst top four teams, which makes them good bets to be underperformers, especially with Oregon. I feel like that's an underrated storyline from the top. You know, when you talk about coaches that are on the hot seat, like Altman doesn't fall under that category necessarily, but at the same time, it's been, uh, we're just kind of stacking years here where there's plenty of resources, plenty of talent and not that much success in Eugene. Uh, and I am feel like I'm, I'm just tired of betting that that is going to come through, especially early in the season. I don't think that they're going to have a consistent season until I see them do it again. Um, so I'll go with Oregon as an underperformer. I don't think they'll finish top four. Oregon, yeah, that would be huge. That would be such a disappointment because Oregon's roster, we haven't really talked much about Oregon. That's a 
what, behind USC, maybe behind Arizona? Like, they're top three roster in the Pac-12 in terms of, you know, mix of returning talent and incoming talent. Defali Dante should be. He was disappointing last season, I think. He should be a Pac-12 player of the year contender. Like, we honestly, he's talented enough and experienced enough that he should that we should be, he is not, but we should be talking about him as a front runner for Pac-12 Player of the Year. He's that he he should be at that level. I'm not sure Dana Altman has fully unlocked the potential of an Afali Dante. Um, and then the other, I mean, they got a couple other big additions. Kwame Evans, uh, the true freshman there, five star freshman, could be interesting. And more importantly, Jackson Shellstad, I think, is going to be really intriguing to watch this season. They lose some players that. I don't know what went on with Dana Altman. He had a lot of continuity last season, I think, relative to most seasons he had. Two seasons in a row, they kind of flame out. Does maybe getting losing Will Richardson maybe create some opportunities to build chemistry? Because Will Richardson came into the 2021-22 season as like, hey, this guy is going to do some crazy stuff. All-conference, preseason, Pac-12 player, the year dark horse flamed out that year and then 2022 23 no one absolutely no one talks about will richardson and he kind of fades into the oblivion and runs out of eligibility so does you know losing your point guard who maybe wasn't uh maybe was getting i mean he was getting worse every single season and replacing him with an ultra talented freshman like jackson shellstad that maybe do something for you i don't know uh oregon's roster is good but uh, they're they're big big time boomer bust. I think that is absolutely right. And it's been rare that those five star guys have stepped in and immediately made impact under Altman. Mm-hmm. Like it's taken a while for them to really right. take hold. Um, I I there are some pieces there, but I think especially in terms of fading a team like to finish below where they are projected by Vegas in the regular season, Oregon just because of those question marks and because of the lack of proven ability to like put together a full regular season uh i think to start out they might surprise some people and be a little worse yeah and there's a great point greg what about you biggest underperformers for you this season i'm gonna say asu i think okay pick sixth in the preseason poll which is yeah i thought that was pretty high um i think that i can't remember now did bobby hurley get an extension I think he did. Oh, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think he'll be fired because I think this is going to be a real bad year, but he did just get an extension. So maybe he won't be fired. But you, you looking at that roster, I believe they said nine new players. Yeah. Two from high school, one JUCO, and six transfers. That is, that's a lot. That is a lot to integrate. We've talked about the struggles that UCLA is going to have integrating all the new guys. I don't see why ASU's isn't going to be just as big, if not more. Um, furthermore, I saw, I believe, the Three Men Weave podcast say the guys they brought in have a combined record, at least the uh, the transfers, have a combined record of like 26 and 87 last year. Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> like a bunch of guys who just did nothing but lose previously. Uh, now you expect... They obviously weren't the biggest parts of that, but how much does that affect things as well? And again, I don't think Bobby Hurley is a good coach. That all being said, 
I adore Frankie Collins. Yes. Might be so my favorite fun. player in the conference. <laughs> he He's is so fun. Wonderful to watch. That dunk against TCU still just blows my mind. Uh I think he's a super fun player. I want him to succeed. I just I think ASU is going to be in for a rough year. I I think that's right. And to your point about that three man weave, I think one of the guys from the three man weave uh, was on the Peyton Years podcast, an Oregon State basketball podcast, hosted by our homie Sam Whiteley, who's been in the chat. Uh, was sort of like one spin that he heard for that was, well, these guys are hungry to win then. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. I saw that, um, which is a hilarious spin on that. Oh yeah, I I think I think it's going to be a rough year for Arizona State. I think 6th is super high. Um I think that a lot of that's based off what they did last season. And they were a decent team last season, but you lose a lot of production there. You're I guess you're hoping that Jemiah Neal takes a step forward. Um he was a pretty good player last year. I think you're hoping Adam Miller who I think I think they might have some eligibility issues. I think with one of Adam Miller or Sean Phillips. I can't remember which. I think Adam Miller may not be available. The NCAA has got to get its shit together. We don't. We don't really know. I think you're hoping Kamari Lands takes a step forward, right? Um, you're hoping Bryson Long is coming in and, you know, trying to. I, I guess is tired of losing himself. So let's see. I mean, Arizona State is. I think Arizona State will be bad. So I think that's right. Um, underperformers for me. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> Stanford's eighth. I think they're. I think they'll finish eleventh. Washington's ninth. I think they'll finish twelfth. Stanford eleventh. <laughs> wow. I, I have no. I get that they have a great roster. I I don't know. How, I I don't know how I can. It just feels like a big time bottom falling out sort of situation for them. Here's another one. This is one that's been in the back of my mind, and I sort of alluded to it. I kind of think USC won't finish in the top four. Um, I really like that roster. I think it's talented as fuck. I think Andy Enfield is, like I said, a generational underperformer. Come on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just, I just think that there's a lot of new pieces to integrate into like a team that has mostly been kind of stitched together. How are they going to manage the, I, you know, I think a real concern is, how are they going to manage the usage rate between Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier? I mean, Boogie Boogie Ellis is not an off-ball player. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to become one with Isaiah Collier there, who is, you know, preferred to be an elite facilitator. I I don't know. I don't know what it would look like to have Boogie Ellis be effective off the ball. Um, and, you know, I think I, I'm wondering. I think Vince Iwuchuku will be really interesting, fully healthy. I think that's going to be fun to watch. What's going to ha- be happen when wh- I, I wonder what's going to happen when Bronny James is cleared to play and his camp is saying you got to play him and the minutes probably might not be there for him very easily. Right. Especially early on. What are they going to do about that? Um, they're not going to play DJ Rodman over Bronny James come February. You know, so I think they got some chemistry issues there. Um, I don't know. I, the roster is is really, really intriguing. I don't know that we've ever seen Andy Enfield put together this amount of talent together and make them a cohesive unit. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. There's going to be a lot of players there who are really, really good, who will need and demand minutes. And I'm just not sure how he's going to handle it. So I I guess this is more of a, a comment about Andy Enfield than it is about the players because the roster 
should be foolproof. Um, but I, I, we've seen rosters. We've seen rosters like this fall apart. So, um, anyway, you, you're you're surprised, Greg. You you just fully disagree. I don't think Andy Enfield is a massive underperformer. I don't think he underperforms okay. very much at all. I think just, and I also agree with Sam Sam Whiteley's comment that the Evan Mobley team was better. I I agree with that. But back to my point, I think. Andy Enfield just doesn't add anything, you know? He's he's <laughs> <laughs> he's just your average coach who happens to be really good at recruiting, and I think that's fine. I think that's all you need with a roster like this. Uh, I don't think this roster fits maybe as cleanly as the, uh, the Mobley team did offensively, but I still think it has potential to be really great, and I'm so sure that they're going to be awesome defensively interesting note from andy enfield at media day he said they are probably not going to play a two three zone at all this year because Mm. uh the guys just don't know it yet (laughs) (laughs) uh so a lot of man defense should be fun but yeah yeah. gonna be interesting i think think the defense is gonna be great regardless yeah i'm really curious to see what vinci wachuku does as a as a defender guys gonna be funneling into him we we'll see, but I've got I don't know. Andy Enfield does not give me good vibes as a uh, as a basketball coach. <laughs> uh, any other underperformers before we move on here? All right, sounds great to me. All right, let's move on. Let's uh, do a quick player draft. Talk about some of the best players in the Pac-12. We know the Pac-12 is chock full of talent, even if it's not chock full of great coaches so i thought we could highlight them with some uh, uh with a player draft here's how it's gonna work uh we're each tasked with putting together a starting five your starting five does not have to have traditional positions but you know it's a starting five so uh not the best five players in the draft i mean try drafting five seven footers and see how people uh <laughs> treat you on social media um so i have randomly generated a list of our names and we'll go in serpentine order the order will be greg then reed then me, okay? And we'll go in serpentine order such that I'll go Greg, read Carlos, and then Carlos, read Greg. So with the first pick in the 2023-2024 Pac-12 player draft, got Greg. Uh, Oops. I think the most valid of the the best probably two maybe three players in the conference are all centers so i'm not gonna pick one of them because i just think i'll get a good one no matter what and i'm gonna go with i think the best non-center in the conference tristan da silva i think he's a good one i think he's gonna have a jaime jaquez type season for colorado wow uh he's just he's that same kind of big do everything player you know i'm not saying he's quite as good as jaime jaquez i because i don't think he is but I thought he took a step forward this season. I'm expecting him to take another step forward as a scorer this season, and we know he's a good defender, and he just does a little bit of everything. I love that. Great way to start a team. First overall pick, Tristan De Silva on my list for first-rounders, so you took him off the board early. Reed, you're up next. Who you got in this first round? Oh, I think I'm going to go... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is the right pick, really, but I'm going to take 
Uh, no, I'm changing last second. I, I'm between the USC guards. I'm going with Isaiah Collier because oh. I would rather I would rather build a team around him. He seems like more of a modern point guard. He seems like he can play defense. He's physical. He likes to distribute. I was close to going Boogie Ellis and just taking a lot of points, but I think I'd rather build my team around Collier. Interesting. So I'm going with him. Interesting. That is that's, that is very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, this one's this one's tough for me. There's some great returners. I could pick a transfer. There's some great transfers in this league. Could be a honk. Pick one of the freshmen. I think in the end, I'm gonna go with a returner. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, this would be crazy. Two Colorado players. I'm gonna really. Hmm. This is hard. I mean. Tristan De Silva, I think, was my was my number one. I'm gonna go with the other guard. I'm gonna go with Boogie Ellis. I am gonna pick Boogie Ellis. Uh, I think he, man, I think he has to have the ball in his hands. And I'm really curious to see how his production changes with Isaiah Collier on there. But I'm gonna go with Boogie Ellis. I do get another pick though, um, and I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with the big. I'll take the big. I think the obvious big. I'm gonna go with Nafali Dante. Ooh. I'm gonna hope that he has a big season. I'm going to hope that he figures it out this year. I think he's going to be a really, really good player. He was pretty good last year. He's not bad. He's never been bad. But does he figure it out and put it all together? We will see. So I've gotten to follow Dante. The obvious big was not the number one big on my board, personally. Mm Interestingly. Okay. All right. Reed, you've got the second pick in the second round. Oh, I was going to go with and follow Dante. He stole it from me. Now I have to see if I can snipe. Greg's number one big here. I'll be happy with whoever falls to me. I'm not going to lie, but. Uh, I, th- oh, I think I'm going to take a Dembona. Oh, oh! I was really mine. wondering. <laughs> I was wondering about him. I was like, do I take a Folly Dante or do I take a Dembona? A Dembona is a good one. I, man, you're hoping he takes a leap, but it's not, it doesn't have to be a huge leap. It does not have to be a huge leap. I think that is, uh, J- GT in the chat uh, call, said that my pick for Nafali Dante is a stupid pick. He said, Bono's better than Dante and Paulo. <laughs> I'm not sure he's better than Nafali Dante right now, but he could be. He could be. Greg, you're up. You've got the third pick in the second round. I'm torn because my top three bigs were very, very close uh, with Umar Balo. Uh, and Folly Dante and Brandon Carlson. Uh, Interesting. I would you got your choice have, here. You got I w- two. I would not have taken Bona. I wish that Reed had taken one of Balo or Carlson so that I don't have to choose. Could take I'm just, both. I'm just trying to decide how I want to build my team, and I've decided the versatility is where I'm going to go. So I'm not going to take the guy who was number one on my board in Umar Balo. And I'm going to take Brandon Carlson because <laughs> he's still a great defender. I think he's not as good as he was when he was a little younger because he's just exerting more offensively. Still a great rim protector. Can guard out to the perimeter, which is always nice. But more importantly, he can do everything offensively. A little something to be desired, I guess, in terms of passing. Don't think I'll need much passing for him, from him. Just looking for the shooting specifically and the post-scoring. And then, yeah, interesting. With got my your next, next pick, pick, third first pick tough. of the third round. This is tough because you guys have point guards, but Carlos specifically is going to probably want 
a distributor. So I'm going to go with that second Colorado player, mm. I think, and I'm going to take KJ Simpson. He may be yeah. – actually, you know what? No, I'm audibling. Give me Jordan Pope. Oh, 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 all right. <laughs> Give me Jordan okay. Pope. Jordan Pope is a great shooter. Jonah, Jordan Pope, I don't think, is a chucker in the same way I think K.J. Simpson kind of is. Not that K.J. Simpson isn't still good, but I'm looking for passing out of this spot, and I don't need my point guard to be my main creator when I've got Carlson and De Silva. So I'm going to put Jordan Pope there to shoot and just get the ball to those guys feeling great. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Jordan Pope, good player, good player. Not, I don't think he was on the first team, second team preseason. Yeah, second though. team. So, but I think you're hoping he takes a leap, and he very well could, and he's going to get a ton of production mm-hmm. uh, in Oregon State. If this were fantasy, it'd be a great fantasy pick. All right, Reed, second pick in the third round. Okay, I'm, I got to say, there was one player that I was most intrigued by this season in my research. And I don't want to let it get back to Carlos. So I'm going to go with a weird pick here. I'm going to take a die Mara. I knew it. That was my next pick. <laughs> to pair up the UCLA big man. Yeah. I think it's weird taking a Dembona and then a 7-3 guy. But that's what Mick Cronin did. And I think he's going to make it work somehow. So that's my pick. Yeah, God. That was my. That was going to be my pick. Um, I think a Mara is a great one. Um, oh man, Reed's got some insane passing on that team with Collier and Mara. Yeah, yeah, that's a a day Mara. People saying best passer uh, for UCLA this off season. So really interesting. Okay, I've got two here. (sighs) Man, it's just so hard to choose between the the newcomers and the returners and the freshmen. I am going to pick oh man this is a bit of a gamble i'm gonna pick another hooper i'm picking caleb love uh for arizona (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have caleb love and boogie ellis oh man i don't know where the shots are gonna come from on that team (laughs) leaning into the hoopers (laughs) uh so i i will take him and then there's been mixed reports about which which of the other ucla freshmen is going to be you know the 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 scores the main scores i'm gonna go with the summer wonderkind uh the slovenian i'm gonna go with jan vide as my next pick i think there's a ton of other great players on here but i'm gonna go with i have to get a freshman i'm gonna get a freshman i'm gonna go with jan vide reed you have the second pick in the fourth round oh my god i was i was all ready to just pick caleb love i was all in on it (laughs) and now I need someone else who's going to score for me. I think, hmm, I don't know if this is a good pick. Uh, I don't know if this is a good pick, but I think I'm going to go with stay staying long and going with Spencer Jones out of Stanford. Ooh. That's my three. Interesting. That's a tough one. All right, Spencer Jones off the board, Greg. So that's a good one, I think. Another one of those players who does a little bit of everything. Uh, For me, with my first of two picks, I'm going to take Keon Brooks Jr. from Washington. Wow, that's tough. A Washington player going, goodness, (laughs) all right. Here's the thing, here's the thing. That team sucks, and so he'll get some production. (laughs) Yes, yes. uh, Well, I guess the roster's good, but we know they're going to suck. 
Um, he's a scorer, you know. He's a guy who can just get buckets. And with the other guys that I have, I feel like I can afford a, a bucket getter just because the other guys on the roster can do so many other things. Uh, he'll have the spacing because Tristan De Silva, uh, Jordan Pope, and Brandon Carlson can all shoot. And then with my next pick, I'm going to shore up the defense a little bit, and I'm going to take the best defender in the conference, Kobe Johnson. Mm. Uh, offensively, my team is going to be a nightmare to stop, okay? There's just shooting everywhere. Everybody has some skill. Everybody can put it on the floor. Very good team. And then defensively, elite rim protection and elite perimeter defense and no real weaknesses. I think Jordan Pope is a decent defender, even though he is pretty tiny. Uh, it's the biggest weakness, but it's more than made up for with the other guys. I'm feeling very happy. Yeah, Kobe Johnson, sneaky DPOI. No, not I, sneaky. Fuck it. Like, no, DPOI front runner. Yeah. <laughs> He's a DPOI front runner this season. Uh, I think Adem Bona will be right there um, to GT's point in the chat. Kobe Johnson, though, like, very similar to Jalen Clark in a lot of ways. Does not need to have the ball to have an impact. Great defender, great rebounder. Just gets his hands all over the place. Um, really, really, really good pick, I think, with Kobe Johnson. Reed, you've got the... This is your last pick in the fifth round. You're the second pick in the fifth round. Is KJ Simpson is still on the board, right? He is. Or did you take... He is. He is. Okay, I'm going to take KJ Simpson at my other guard spot. Uh He's one of the leading returner score, returning scorers in the conference. I feel like he he continues my theme of versatility throughout this roster, and I'm I'm feeling great about where I'm at, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a good one. I almost I was a little worried that he was going to go off the he was going to go undrafted because I was like I I said early on like I think I want to pick KJ Simpson, um, and then didn't you know I didn't end up picking him, and then I just sort of abandoned uh, that idea entirely. But I think he's going to be a good player. He's a great point guard, high volume guy. But I think another year uh, will sort of allow him to take better shots. I think Colorado has more shots to go around. I think KJ Simpson had to kind of take all those shots. So um, so we'll see. All right, I've got the last pick of the draft. We've got some great players left. Umar Balo, I'm not picking Umar Balo. He's going to wow. go undrafted. He's going to go undrafted. I think Omar Balo is great. I just think he's a bit limited offensively mm -hmm. and defensively. I think has is not. He's a big guy. Don't think he's as good as people would suspect. So, um, I'm I'm gonna leave him on the board uh, just so that people know. Pac-12 first team per the preseason uh, poll from the media. It's Umar Balo, Dembona, Keon Brooks, Brandon Carlson, Isaiah Collier, Nafali Dante. Tristan De Silva, Boogie Ellis, Spencer Jones, KJ Simpson, all but Umar Balo will be drafted. So I will not picking uh, be picking Umar Balo. Oh, this is this is really hard. I'm gonna pick another player that I think is gonna have a huge leap. Uh, I, I'm gonna pick Vinci Wachuku. Um, I think he. Do you think he I starts think for USC? I think he has to. Who would start in his place? Josh Morgan. I think he starts over Josh Morgan. I don't think he will. Think, yeah. Andy really? Enfield made it sound like it's going to be Josh Morgan at Media Day. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, I fucked up. This was a, <laughs> uh, this was a Drew Travis Brock he, situation. He might, he might be starting by the end of the year because of the talent. But but he's just so – I mean, he's just so much better than Josh, Josh Morgan. Josh Morgan I mean, was really good defensively he was good. last year. I think he, he led good. the conference Great defender. in blocks. Great defender. But Vinci Uchukwu, that's – God, if they don't start him, that's going to be – 
clearly Vinci Uchuku has a lot of had a lot, has a lot of learning to do. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, uh, I see our homie GT really really going hard <laughs> for a Dembona in the chat. Look, I'm gonna say this about a Dembona. I love a Dembona. I think he had become a much better defender at, uh, late in the season. I think he was. I think he's the thing that he's special at is he can like be six nine and be a big, but also switch down to guards. And I think you absolutely got that right. He is an elite help defender. I am not in love with him as a rebounder. I think he is an upgrade offensively over what UCLA had because he's like a great dunker and a and a decent rim runner, but doesn't have much else outside of that. But he is a big problem with fouling from last season. I think he has a real, real big problem with fouling. I think those things could be cleaned up. And if he cleans all three of those up, even like at a 30% rate, right? Like he's 30% better in all of those areas. He is going to be a top five player in the Pac-12. He was drafted top five here. Um, so I I think, I, I Bona I think is, is, is a great player. Obviously UCLA needs him. I think I need to see a little bit more from him for me to be like, yeah, he's the best player in the Pac-12. I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm absolutely not ready to go there yet. Um, so let's recap here our teams. I'm going to go by the teams instead of the order. Greg, you have Tristan Silva, Brandon Carlson, Jordan Pope, Keon Brooks Jr., and Kobe Johnson. Reed, you've got Isaiah Collier in your backcourt, Adem Bona and Adem Mara going with the old Mick Cronin big situation here. Spencer Jones and KJ Simpson. And I've got Boogie Ellis, uh, Nfali Dante, Caleb Love, Jan Vide, and Vince Uachukwu. Two bigs, two hoopers, and a European hooper. So we will we'll see how these shake out. Interesting stuff. Big snubs, real quick. Any snubs? Umar Balo? Umar Obviously, Balos. maybe the biggest one. Yeah, the biggest one. Um, let's see. Who else did we leave out? Braxton Mia? I don't think so. Okay, I don't, I don't think, think so either. Uh, Fardog's <laughs> iMac, though, I think that is like a legit one because of how good he's been in the past. Maybe he's hurt this year, but he's an elite defender, and I think he has an offensive game as well. Uh, Reed, what were you going to say? I was close to pulling the trigger on Pell Larson. Yeah, is that what are what are your guys' thoughts on on that? <laughs> I think uh, my that every on year Larson. You yeah, go me. ahead. Go ahead. You you, okay. you got this, Greg. You you were you have firsthand experience <laughs> with Pella Larson. Yeah, as someone who's been a fan of Pella Larson, it's like every year you expect him, okay, this is the year where he becomes like a, a real number one. You know, every year it's it's the same expectation and every year he's the same player he was before. I, I don't expect a lot more than what he was last year, which I think could be an issue for Arizona, but they've got other guards, so it shouldn't be that that bad. But uh I think he is what he is. He's a good creator. He's a fine. He's a fine offensive player. He's a fine defensive player. He's just nothing special. Yeah, the, the, the Pella Larson has like all of the the tools to be like an NBA level player. He's athletic. He's long. He's quick. You know, he's got. He, he's a big guy. Like he's just got all of the like physical stuff, but he's never put it together in such a way where it's like he is. He is close to Arizona's best player. They started him last season, actually. He was sixth man of the year in 2021, 22. One sixth man of the year for, or six man, I think it was sixth man of the year, right? I for think it was. A, a bunch of national awards and even, even in the Pac 12. Uh, they start him in 2022, 23, and he was bad, straight up bad. He was not a good 
starter for Arizona. They put him back on the bench and he was great again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> is what happened with Pella Larson. So it's one of those things where it's like you you can gamble on Pella Larson, but you know, he's kind of burned you just one too many times to yeah. say, I'm gonna trust him for sure this time. So let's see. I mean who knows? He's Kyle gonna get more Boswell opportunities. Is a possible one. Kylan Boswell, definitely I mean you're sort of gambling a little bit on his potential, but I think that's definitely one. Uh, Cody Williams, the five-star freshman for Colorado. At I don't know. Media Day, and I will keep mentioning that because uh, Media Day was fun, but uh, Tad Boyle, basically all the questions they asked him were, <laughs> were about Cody Williams, and it felt like a lot of tempering expectations was done. Mm. He mentioned specifically that they have, like, he has talked with Cody Williams about managing expectations for this year he talked about how there's going to be a big learning curve from him just because he only really was an elite recruit his last year of high school um but he talked about how good it is that the pressure isn't on him which just the way he talked about it made me think cody williams is not going to be a major factor for colorado at least not at the beginning of the year yeah I think that's a, a good insight. So we'll see. Maybe not quite the snub. We'll find out. He's got a lot, a lot of players. And we didn't even talk about Eddie Lampkin coming from TCU. Should be should be super interesting. All right. Let's make our final predictions of uh, of the preseason here. First up, Pac-12 Player of the Year. Greg, who you got? I said I'm expecting a Jaime Jaquez type year from Tristan De Silva. And I mean that all the way. I think he's going to be the guy who wins player of the year this year. Colorado should be good enough. And he is the type of player you just love to watch. He does everything at a high level. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Tristan De Silva. That being said, I think it is not a race where there's an extreme favorite. Like there could be so many guys who win it and it'd be like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Last year we came into the season being like, time of Hawkins or Julius Tabellas. Uh-huh. And, and it ended up working out that way. For the entirety of the season this year i mean it's it's wide open um reed what about you who's your uh pac-12 player of the year pick here yeah in the draft i went collier over boogie ellis but here i think boogie ellis is going to score the most points i think usc is going to be pretty good and so i'm going to take boogie ellis to to win out from the media perspective for player of the year yeah, I think that's an interesting that's an interesting pick. I mean, he was I don't know, third. I think I don't know what the voting was, but I would say probably third candidate for Pac-12 player of the year last year. I think he upped his efficiency. I think he's going to be a really really good player this year. Um I love the Tristan De Silva pick. Um I think if I had to if if, you know, uh, I think I'd probably pick Tristan De Silva. But um just to think of other players man um i i i think i'm torn between three players nivali dante is one of them mm-hmm. i think i think nivali dante is is should take a step up is going to be a, a, a big time player caleb love for arizona the only reason i'm not picking him is because i fucking hate arizona i think arizona is a uh you know fucking frauds every single year <laughs> uh but I'm i'm playing with caleb love and the third one, I know I just told this to GT. I think Adembona is probably going to be in that conversation. I don't know if he's going to score a ton, but he's going to get a lot of opportunities. 
Ah, man. I'm going to go with Nafali Dante. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to go with a safe pick. I'm going to say Nafali Dante. I think he has the experience. He will obviously have the role. Um, and we will we will see. All right. Next one here. Quickly, Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Reed, who picks? Who do you who are you picking for Coach of the Year? What's your prediction? Jared Haas. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he finishes top four. He might be. He might be. Uh, no, I'm going Tommy Lloyd. I think that at least in the regular season, he's had a lot of success, and I, I do think Arizona will be the best team. Okay, Greg. I think it's going to be Tad Boyle. Uh, Tad Boyle is a great one. It's going to be a really high finish by Colorado standards, I think. And uh, we know Tad Boyle is a great coach. I would be not. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't win. But he he's my pick. I think because I'm thinking some voter fatigue with Tommy Lloyd is going to be a factor. Yeah, I think voter fatigue with with Tommy Lloyd will be a factor. I sort of think. Um, uh, you know, I think people, I think the narrative around Tommy Lloyd is he has to prove it in the, in, mm-hmm. in the tournament. Honestly, I think Arizona didn't say this in my storyline to watch for. Absolutely. No one will give a shit yeah. what Arizona does in the regular season. Not a single fucking person will care what Arizona, <laughs> Arizona could go undefeated in the regular season and people will go into the tournament <laughs> saying, will they flame out? Are they, are they actually going to like win a couple games in the tournament? <laughs> Everything, like, it's it must be so weird to be an Arizona fan and an Arizona player. We're like, from now until March, it doesn't matter. Like, you've got to, you've got to, you know, it's almost pointless. Like, yeah, okay, you can win a bunch of games. Who cares? Um, so I think Tommy Lloyd, I think it's voter fatigue, and I think it's sort of that narrative. I'm going with, uh, there's two in my head here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be the same voter fatigue with Mick Cronin because he's going to have an entirely new roster. But if UCLA is a top three team in the Pac-12 by the end of the season and is looking dangerous again, he might win it the same way he won it in 1920. Yeah, with a, with a very similar situation. Um, so Mick Cronin is on my list. This one is is controversial, especially because I'm not sure he'll even stay in his current job that long. And I'm not throwing Craig Smith there if they do finish in the top four <laughs> um you know i think the the coach of the year thing is so weird because it's like you know it's usually like a, a guy who performs above his team's expectations yeah. right it's usually a guy who's like ah we're feeling weird about this team i'm not really sure and he elevates them into some different tier than they normally were would and i think utah has the potential to be a team that moves from the bottom tier or like low middle tier to like closer to getting a buy in the pac-12 tournament um, and I think that might be enough, right? If they're like eight to 10 games over 500, they were, you know, what, a couple games over 500 last year. If they're eight, if they improve by about five to seven games, they, they could do that. And it could be Craig Smith. So if I had to pick, I'm going to go with a safer pick between those two and say Mick Cronin. But, um, I think Craig Smith is, is we're going to see, this is a prove it year for Craig Smith. Honestly, this is the most, pro- this is the most pivotal year for Craig Smith. I don't think he'll be fired after this season, but it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a big, a big year. He's got to, he's got to be on the bubble for at least like 90% of, he's got to come very close to the tournament. I don't think he has he, to make it, but he's got to go to the in NAT. order to not get fired like mid season next year, not mid season. Yeah. Utah wouldn't do that, but in order to make next year more than just a, like he's getting Hot fired at the year, end of the yeah. year type season, he has to come very close to making the tournament. Like yeah. upper NIT seed, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Last uh, last couple of ones here. How many Pac-12 teams make the NCAA tournament? Greg, we can start with you on this one. Oh, don't start with me. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> All right, Reed. Let's go to Reed then. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go with five, I think. Oh, big old Pac-12 hog. All right. Five All is right. not yeah. that. I've got Arizona, USC, UCLA. I think I feel pretty good about those. Uh, not not hot takes. Colorado, and then I think uh, I'm going out on a limb and saying Stanford makes oh, it as well. Man, if Stanford makes it, God, I'm gonna be sick. I'm gonna be so mad. I'll be more mad if they make it to the tournament than if they just like flamed out and bottomed out. Man, that's tough. Greg, who's making the tournament? I think I would set the over under at five and a half. Ooh, because wow, I'd take the under on that. I think ahead. I'd take the under, but I also think six. I think is might be more my, likely than four. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay, it's a strong non-con schedule. I think mm-hmm. for a few teams that'll mm-hmm. help. Arizona's a lock. Mm-hmm. I think USC is a lock. Uh, even if they underperform. Uh, underperform what that roster is i think they're they'll make it for sure the roster's too good not to and enfield's not that bad of a coach um ucla not a lock i don't think because they yep. could really be a disaster with how much young, how many young guys there are might take a while to for that all to click but i'm i'm thinking they'll make it oregon you gotta assume the injuries stop at some point right yeah, yeah, that they roster, did have a really injury-riddled start to last season. That roster is definitely good enough to make it. Uh, Colorado, I would be surprised if they don't make it this year. Tad Boyle is a great coach. That's a great roster. Feels like a slam dunk. And at that point, are we up to four or five? That's five, right? You have Arizona, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado. Yeah. After that, Utah, I think, totally could make it. That's a very old team, you know? They just need if they just play like they did last year and don't have the issue of Gabe Manson getting hurt because people forget Utah was a bubble team last year. Gabe Manson got much hurt of the season and they yeah. went two and six without uh, without Gabe Manson to finish the year and that was it for them. This year an injury like that won't hurt them as badly. They have more shooting. I think they could make the tournament because the defense should be really good. Um, Arizona State is a wild card. I think. There's always a chance they make it with the talent that Bobby Hurley is able to bring in there. Washington State, very well coached. I don't think they can do it this year with that roster. Um, but maybe. And then you've got Washington and Stanford. Those are rosters that are absolutely NCAA tournament rosters. If one of those coaches figures it out. Those are CBI coaches. What? Those are CBI coaches, though. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I think I'd take. I think six is more likely than four, though. That's my Pac-12 ah. take. That's going a, five. Man, it's so funny because Greg is always such a Pac-12 pessimist. <laughs> I'm a Pac-12 pessimist this year. I think they've burned me too many times over the past two seasons. <laughs> My first time first time we did this, I said we were getting like five, six teams in the Whoa, Pac-12 tournament. First time you, we did this, you oh, said, said ten, eight. then yeah, you I said, said eight. eight. <laughs> yeah, I said eight. <laughs> man, that, that 2021 Pac-12 tournament or NCAA tournament run for the Pac-12 was crazy. It had me saying all kinds of crazy shit. Last year I said five. And then, like, early on, actually, I think I said four, and four actually did end up making it. I remember having some friendly fights with David Woods on Twitter. He was convinced there were only going to be two. I was convinced <laughs> there were going to be four. Technically, I was right. Spiritually, he was right. Uh, <laughs> Arizona State and USC did not feel like tournament teams to me by the end of the season. Um, 
So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Man, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with four. Uh, that still feels kind of high to me. I think Arizona's a lock. USC is a lock. I'll say it's USC as lock, but I think they're like a seventh, eighth seed. UCLA, big wild card. I say I say in the end they get in, and then Colorado feels like a lock to me. After that, I agree with all the other ones that you said. I think really the ones who are next for me are Oregon. They have the roster. They've proven that they've gotten there with this coach. And Utah, because they're experienced, because they have a little bit more depth, because this is the third year under Craig Smith, because they've been improving. They've improved over their past two years. I think that they have the ability to do it. I think Oregon and Utah just missed, though. Um, I, I do think I do think that that's going to be interesting. So, so yeah. All right. Last, last, last one. This is the ultimate. Who wins the Pac-12 regular season title? Greg. I think Arizona wins it, and I think they win it comfortably. I think USC mm. takes a while to round into form. I think the addition of Bronny James, presumably later in the season, will help them a lot. But I think that Arizona always an elite regular season team and they shored up the weaknesses from last year's team i think i think this is a better team uh despite the loss of azulis tabellis they add athleticism like reed said earlier with kashad johnson and the scoring of caleb love is something i guess these are more things that i think will maybe make march different for them this year in that they didn't have them last year like not having a guy like caleb love i think is the biggest reason they lost to princeton they have that this year. So I think there's every reason for this to just be a top 10 the entire year Arizona team. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Reed, who wins the Pac-12 regular season title? I'm all in on Arizona as well. I I agree with everything Greg said. I think that they have a potential to be pretty dominant. As USC settles in, I feel like we've, we've seen it from Arizona in, you know, obviously two years ago, a super dominant regular season, a pretty uh you know commanding one last year as well i think that uh i always like to bet on arizona honestly i've been burned by arizona i picked them to win the national title when deandre aiden was there i picked them the last holy two years shit. holy shit uh, that's, that's yeah. tough that's so tough. I'm, I'm that's what arizona does though exactly if if you are looking for solace as another team's fan uh, my Arizona projection, projections and predictions typically do not end well for me or for Arizona. <laughs> or for anyone uh, who picks Arizona, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I do think they're the best team. And as I said early on, like I, I like the fact that you can make arguments that even their major losses, the big pieces that are gone, they open up uh, areas for improvement for them in a lot of ways. So I think that if the new pieces coming in fit, there's – there's every reason to think that they could be better than last year. Uh, yeah, it's an intriguing point. I, I, I think it. Uh, uh, here's the thing. I think probably Arizona is the easy answer, and I think they're the most obvious answer. I don't want to pick them because I'm sick of I'm sick of Arizona. You know, everyone talking about how Arizona's elite and they're a, a fucking national title contender. And oh my god, here comes Arizona, and then they do what they normally do. I'm going to go with the dark horse. Uh, I'm going to pick Colorado. I think Colorado has a a really good top three blend of returning talent, top three blend of incoming talent. I think they've got depth. 
I think they've got players. I really like Eddie Lampkin. Uh, I really like, um, uh, you know, KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva. They've got a bunch of role players who I think are going to take big steps up. Yes, they lose some players, um, but they also bring back some some really important ones. I think that all the players they lost, frankly, were they might be better off with Lawson Lovering among them. But Julian Hammond's back. He's going to be really good. Javon Hadley looked really good at the end of last season. Uh, and you add, an, uh, I think, a refreshed Eddie, Lamp- Eddie Lampkin, and I think that's going to be – it's a dangerous team. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with Colorado. Um, but, you know, I think it's weird with with UCLA is, like, I think they could be the best team by, this, by season's end. I do think that UCLA could be the best team, but I think they will suffer a few too many losses early on to be, like, a regular season title contender. And I just want people to temper their expectations uh, around UCLA because I think it's going to take some time for them to gel. All right, that's it. We did it. That is our Pac-12 basketball preview. We have made it. We are here. We will be back here Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week week 9 of the Pac-12 football season. And then we're back talking Pac-12 hoops next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific to recap some exhibitions, look ahead to some very, very fun non-conference games, and make some predictions for the first opening night of Pac-12 basketball. But for now... That's Reed. That's Greg. I am Carlos. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you're listening, subscribe, like this video, all that other stuff. Share it. Add some comments, whatever you have. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Said I'm lonelier than a single sex on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green on the sunny side of the 